Welcome everybody to another episode of Would You Stay Tuned? This is a new podcast from those of you who might know us from Newbie Star Trek. If you don't know Newbie Star Trek, check it out. If you like Star Trek, it's pretty. It's, it's why we're or here. Or if you don't like Star Trek, the the coolest things have been when people who don't like Star Trek start listening. Actually, they, yeah, that's true. That's yeah, true. and then they start wanting to watch Star Trek, and I'm like, it's working. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, anyway, the premise of this podcast, this series, is, um, well, it's right there on the title. Would you stay tuned? What we do is we take the first episode or the premiere or, like, the beginning, the very first bit of a series, most likely, of some kind, TV, like, show, Netflix, what have you. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be new. It might be something old. Basically, we're just trying to show each other stuff we're into. That's kind of the point of the show. Mm-hmm. But um, after watching that first episode or maybe one or two episodes, we will ask ourselves, would you stay tuned? Would you stick around and finish the rest of the show or continue watching to see if it turns into something? Like, do you see potential here or is it just not for you? So this episode, we are going with Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, which is the third. Uh, wait a minute. No, maybe fourth. It's the second Scott Pilgrim adaptation. The second video adaptation of Scott Pilgrim. There's been but there a, was video a video game. game. Yeah, yeah, there's right. been a video game. There's been a movie. There's been um, all sorts of printed editions, color things, and all yeah. sorts of stuff. So it's a story that has been reincarnated many times. Also, there's only two of us today. Yes, it's there's only, only two of us. Uh, oh, Which yeah, is something- by the way, um, if you don't know who we are, I'm, I'm, I'm Dan. And I'm Marvin. And this might be a thing that happens more often with Would You Stay Tunes in the sense that sometimes only two of us may want to talk about something. And uh, this is one of those times. Because Dan oh, yeah. and I have somewhat of a history with Scott Pilgrim, uh, um, which, yeah, you know, yeah. That that we do, that we do. And also the other thing too, it's like this podcast is not everyone's available all the time. So this is an easy way for people who are interested and want to talk about something, they can do so. Yeah. So uh, speaking of Scott Pilgrim and the fact that we both have a bit of history with it, um, how about we start off with you, Marvin? What is your experience with Scott Pilgrim, the franchise? You showed me Scott Pilgrim, Scott Pilgrim's precious little life, the first graphic novel back in college. And I was like, Oh, this looks really cute. This is very, this is a very adorable art style. And mm-hmm. hey, look, he's he's an he's a early young adult like I am, and going through similar feelings about relationships. I can think about it. And then, uh, you know, I was generally enjoying the graphic novels as they came out. I think there are seven or eight. How many? There, are there? were six volumes total. Oh, six. Okay, I'm confusing it with the number of episodes. There are six volumes, and honestly. I think as I progressively read them, to me, they got worse over time, uh, at least personally to me, just because I kept being like, well, that's weird. That's, that's, he's saying some weird shit there. Uh, okay. The way they're depicting how people feel about relationships here is kind of weird. Uh, I don't know. And then uh, it was announced that Edgar Wright was going to do an adaptation of Scott Pilgrim called Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Mm-hmm. The problem is that he began his adaptation before the series was even over. So it's a Game of Thrones situation where they're starting to adapt it before knowing where it's going to end, which is pretty important if you want to adapt something. So well, okay. <laughs> to be fair, he did get into like extended talks with Brian Leo Malley, the creator, and you know he did hear from him what the ending he env- originally envisioned was going to be. 
But the thing I, th- but I think the issue is that Brian Lee O'Malley himself didn't quite know exactly where he would end up with everything. Yes. And it was very different because based on those, well, first of all, the movie is problematic in the sense that it is just a straight adaptation, like almost one to one, which in this particular scenario is not actually a good thing. It works for some movies like Sin City. It works really well, but I think Sin City works really well because it's a series of anthology stories. So you can kind of just do a straight adaptation and not worry about pacing. But for Scott Pilgrim, it just made it feel really disconnected. Like scenes just start happening because that's what they happen in the comics. But in the actual movie, you're like, wait a minute, they just had a huge fight. They're just going to walk up to a bar and start drinking. Like it's kind of like not really continuous. And on top of that, the original ending that uh, Edgar Wright had shot was he gets back together with knives, which is weird. Because knives, is- <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, like even narratively, like yes, in terms of a writing it, standpoint, it doesn't make sense. It sort of makes sense in in the trope of the true girl was with you the whole time, right? That's a trope. I mean, I know? guess, but that's certainly not how the movie itself seems to like depict knives. Yeah, the, the knife, like the movie depicts knives as, you know, she's a naive 17 year old who has never had a romantic relationship and is feeling large emotions about things. And even the comic books handled her arc better. By the end, when she's 18 and going to college, she is now a pretty ma- emotionally mature character and knows how to deal with Scott's shenanigans, Scott being someone who never grew up. So you get a different arc for her. In the movie, Knives just loves Scott the whole time, and it doesn't really change. And that's why the arc of it ending towards, like you can see how it could have just arced straight into Knives going back together with Scott, but because they already shot everything and they had to reshoot the ending, because the actual ending is Scott gets together with Ramona. So they had to shoot that clumsy scene where Knives is like, you've been fighting for her the whole time. So you should go with her. And that's how the movie ends. And it's like, I would say it ties with the world's end for Edgar Wright's worst movie. It's okay, spoiler <laughs> for listeners, this is half an indictment of Scott Pilgrim versus the world. <laughs> yes, and also somewhat of the original comics. I'm not a big fan of the way the original comics sort of emotionally ended, I guess. Uh, uh, yeah, like I've I've always had issues with the characters in their totality. Like overall, in the end, it, it's hard to like any of them very much. Yeah, which is, that's the uh, thing. Which is kind of the issue. It's like the character designs are so um, appealing and visually pleasing. Um, yeah, and, I and mean, really like cute and everything. And that uh, that charm and visual appeal holds in any form in which they're drawn. Like, I and feel not like just that, that, but like for their era, they're very stylishly dressed. Like they do cool things. They're yeah, like cool they're slackers. Like- so in a, in like when you're reading this in your twenties or even, you know, your late, late teens, it's like mildly aspirational that this is the way they feel about being slackers, which sure. is funny now because back then this is definitely the vibe of their slackers. Now, given our economy, this is more like the vibe of this is just them getting by because they have no choice. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, true. <laughs> like, uh, Scott just doesn't have a job because it's really hard to get a job right now. <laughs> Whereas yeah. back then, he's just, it's just because he's lazy, you know, and he's a slacker. And the way they've adapted it for the Netflix show here, um, uh, Ramona's job is not being a delivery girl for amazon but netflix dvds yeah 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 which i i guess is supposed to be a way to like turn this into a period piece a bit well even amazon that would have been 
like kind of a period piece in the sense that like well amazon would be ahead of its time because that was before amazon had its own couriers actually yes back in the day that would have made no sense it makes more sense now whereas back that but even back netflix having a personal courier service also doesn't make any sense but it's just a contrivance of the story they had from the beginning so well at the very least the fact that netflix is delivering dvds is the point i'm trying to make it's yes exactly part of it yeah 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 well, just antiquated. They they only like actually discontinued DVD mailing like within the last year, I think. Yeah, like I think like two months ago. <laughs> yeah, like uh, yeah, for good. They discontinued it for good. And amongst cinephiles, it was actually a, a major loss because the Netflix library had access to really rare movies that wasn't really available anywhere else. Oh, uh, so, that makes sense, actually. So there was like a huge movement where people were. Um, uh, I don't know how I'm not saying how I'm privy to this, uh, but people were uh, getting those rare movies, ripping them and then archiving them as torrents so that people can never lose them again. Well, so yeah, good, good on those people because <laughs> these <digital> are rare <laughs> physical media really is dying overall. And that's kind of scary for art. So. Yeah, it's it's sort of moving over to because the only legitimate form of digital media right now is streaming. That means the only way to digitally archive is to pirate. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, they've made piracy the only way to, to truly archive anything. Yeah, because a lot of this media, it will never be put on digital media, like uh, physical media, right? Like most of Netflix originals, pretty much all of them that aren't like movies by a director are, are not going to be get a physical release. So, mm-hmm. You know, but which one of us should dis- describe the episodes? Because we ended up watching the first two, right? That's what yes, we- and uh, I ended up watching the first two. Um, you were the first to watch them, so you yes. recommended to watch the second one to me, and I was like, "I'll, I'll trust you on this, Marvin," because. You know, we both know Scott Pilgrim. I'm assuming you have a very good reason to say let's watch more than just the first episode because yes. we just stay tuned. For the most part, we're trying to just keep it to the very first taste you get. Yes. Right. However, in the, the case of Scott Pilgrim, I do understand why you said to watch the first two episodes because there's a fairly major twist in the first bit. And if you take only the first episode, there isn't much more than the twist. Exactly. <laughs> um, to, to work with here. So, yes. Um, that's I kept why the watching because I would saw be that. Because I, I kept watching when I saw the twist and I was like, am I just misremembering? Because I thought. Wasn't there a scene where Scott had an extra life, therefore he comes back? So I thought maybe I'm missing that, and that is just depicted differently here. But then I kept watching, and I was like, no. <laughs> yeah, I think the extra life thing is a movie-only uh, bit. That, oh, okay, it's a movie bit. Okay, And it's only for the final fight with Gideon, so he de- gets to do that a second time. Gotcha. Okay, 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 um, okay. I don't think he used a final, like an extra life like that in the comics. If I'm not, you know, it's been a very long time since I read Volume 6, so... Maybe yeah, it was minute, used yeah. in a way way like that over there. It's we have not of- I personally have not reread uh Scott Pilgrim, the novels, graphic novels, or the movie. So my only like Yeah. I, honestly like- I've been afraid to reread them myself <laughs> because I'm afraid to like end up disliking them entirely. Because like okay, I, I think between us two I was the one because I was the one who was into it first. I was one I was the bigger fan, I think. Yeah. And I was hanging on to every release. 
And um, when Edgar Wright was attached as director for the movie, I was very excited. And I yes, followed I, so it was I. Because I'm like, uh, Edgar like Wright every can do step no of wrong, the way. I was know? hanging on to every trailer, the casting. I was like, oh, Michael Sarah, I don't know, but I trust you, man. Let's see where this goes. And the rest of the casting was really good. Like, we saw, like, every, almost everyone else was, like, pitch perfect casting. Yeah, there was a lot about it that was like, yeah, like, bring it on. Like, this seems fine. Let, let's do this. And then they released that special song that Metric made, Black Sheep. And I got super hooked onto that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All sorts of stuff. But the movie, when I actually saw it, was like, it was a bit disappointing for many of the reasons that Marvin has already gone over. And I think there is something that I started to notice is that I start to feel like a discomfort when there is a mishmash of different levels of campiness and performance. Yes. And that is happening both in the movie and here because the cast is essentially the same. Well, I think in the animated show, it's far more masked because... Yes, the campiness come, like works way more for those who were campy. Yes. And I like think for yeah. people like Gideon, uh, Matthew Patel... Um, all the people who are already being cartoon characters in the movie, mm-hmm. like their performances here work fine. Yes, because because of the way their voice performances actually support the animated performance by the animators, all of the animations are played fully straight. There's no like joke in them in the way the characters are feeling in the moment. It's not like a parody of the moment. Whereas in the movie, a lot of it felt very tongue in cheek where it's kind of like, look at this crazy battle we're having. And like, you know, it didn't feel like it felt like sometimes they were trying to get you to laugh a little bit at it with them. But that doesn't really happen in either the graphic novels or this this new show. Uh, I think the new show very much takes it super straightforward. It doesn't try to uh, play around with that at all. And I think that's to its benefit uh, because I don't think you can take it like I think I think the tone of Scott Pilgrim versus the world just ends up becoming confusing as a result versus this show where you're kind of grounded the whole time. You're not confused by jumping back and forth and all that. So I think that confusion kind of like bled into the the cartoon for me a little bit just because I kept on thinking about the cast as I was hearing them talk. Mm. and how they felt and looked in their roles in, in the movie. Yeah, like Alison um, Pill in particular, I kept thinking like, she looks very different <laughs> in yeah, the movie versus Kim Pine. So I'm I like, was kind of able to, I was kind of able to forget about how Alison Pill looked, but like whenever like Brandon Routh talked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I, I would totally <laughs> see Brandon Routh. For some um, reason, like, half the time I hear Brandon Routh talk, I, I forget it's Brandon Routh actually. I don't know if it's... um. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what it is. It's just like I kept on thinking about how the the cast looked in costume and makeup. And since it didn't look exactly like these character designs, that is continuously like bouncing around in my head. And it's, right, yeah, yeah. it just provides noise that I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's, that, that's what I'm saying. But uh, one thing that I never really loved about Scott Pilgrim overall is like there are times when I kind of have a love-hate relationship with it now because – the visual style is something that I love, and there are a lot of moments that I like about it scattered throughout. But then, especially in the movie, it can dip into, like, a cringiness that I can't adequately put into words. Yes. Um, I think... It's like, like when it's just a bit too pleased with itself when being clumsy about its own thing, like... Or it instance, loves references. Like, okay, oh, one yeah. example that I can give on the topic of references, one example I can give is, like, I did not care for the narrator's 
uh, lines at any point in this cartoon. Mm. Because, like, for instance, when you just say the name versus the name in a, in a versus screen, that's not something that actual video games do. No. They don't really do that. No. So when you do that, it rings in inauthentic and not real. Yes. Or, I mean, you know, it, it cheapens things to me. The, the, the narrator didn't need to exist in this show, actually. It's yeah, sort of like it, a- it, but it's when they make, whenever a decision like that is made and it's like, Ugh, you didn't actually get it this time. Ah, I hate it. Yeah, yeah. You, you get so much else, but why, why not that? I mean, even in the graphic novels, you would see kind of cringy stuff where it'd be like, look at these and it would like have little bubbles around a, a scene just showing you this is a sonic the hedgehog this is a thing sure and sure like, and it's like d- don't do that that's super corny <laughs> and like, yeah and it is something that like i've grown out of like in in my t- early 20s i was far more receptive to that sort of s- stuff because it's like yeah this is stuff that i also like i like geeky video game shit yes i do um and something that i did appreciate in the movie um, that this show does not seem to have wanted to bother doing because I totally understand is that they, Edgar Wright went to the trouble of asking Nintendo, right. Hey, can we use real Zelda shit? Can we reference actual Zelda things? Use a cue from Link to the Past. Yeah. Actually yeah. or orchestrate a version of the fairies fountain. Like that stuff that, you know, as a stupid nerd geek myself, I actually do appreciate it. It's like, that's the <laughs> real thing that, you know, a, a nerdy 20 something like myself at the time would have been into for real. Like mm-hmm. that is the stuff that was actually authentic to me. Right, right. But when they start using it only as set dressing, it's like, well, this is just video generic video game world. Everything's yeah. just video game world. And it's like, well, I care less now. Yeah. And it made it in a way where I think because of the way certain battles in, especially in the graphic novels seem to just play out with like, not only no stakes, but no sense of logic as to why they're able to do things this way. It makes it hard to be invested in the actual battle. You're kind of like, okay, we're willfully in a world where it's not explained why people are so good at fighting and why people have these abilities, right? You can do that. Uh, For example, One Punch Man does that all the time. Like it's it's sort of kind of the point of the show but you need to replace that with emotional stakes like something that there's an emotional component to the battle or there's an emotional storytelling to why the battle is happening or thematically what this battle means and the problem with the graphic novel is that thematically the battles didn't mean very much and at a certain point were actually the least interesting part like i think there's a reason why uh when skateboard dude shows up he just falls down and dies you know, and the battle's anticlimactic and it's funny. Or, you know, when vegan guys stopped by vegan police, you know, it's just like, well. Well, yeah, almost like, none of the battles were played, like, totally straight. Yeah, but. and it, it, it's, I think you don't even miss it because it's just sort of like that stops being the point of the show. And I think, uh, well, before we can get too into it, maybe one of us should describe what happens in the two episodes because then we okay, can okay. start so, contrasting. Uh, Cliff Notes version of how it happens in the show. It begins how the comic begins with Scott feeling alone in his desert, you know, misery, misery dream world. Um, and then he sees Ramona skating on through in her rollerblades as usual. And, you know, that's how he first encounters the girl of his dreams. Mm-hmm. We have the usual setup of like he, his roommates with, um, oh God, I'm blanking out on roommate's name. Uh, Wallace Wells? Wallace, Wallace. I kept right. on thinking Walter. I knew that was wrong. <laughs> Lives with cool gay roommate Wallace Wells. 
They right. do not go over in detail over the fact that he's dating Knives Child this time. It's just unreal. It's just quickly mentioned in like the uh, Gideon just quickly mentions it in a briefing. Uh, that's about it. Right. And they do say that like, you know, and this is, this is also a new addition to uh, this version. They cut away to introducing the League of Evil Exes very formally. Yes. Um, as Gideon being the head of them, they reveal Gideon and what he looks like right away. Matthew Patel also is like right there with them. They are making it very clear. This is an organized group of people. Mm-hmm. This time they're they're doing a lot to flesh out this this organization, which is something that I kind of hate. Um, <laughs> but m- moving on with the explanation, they are having their little practice session inside the house mm-hmm. uh, with knives in attendance, and that's also like your first glimpse of knives and how she is very enamored with Scott. And then he goes to the party and sees that Ramona is actually a real girl. Yes. And not just someone that he sees in his dreams all the time. And so, you know, he's infatuated with her, does the lame, like, I know a dumb little fact about video games against the wall with Mm -hmm. Ramona. And um, Ramona actually takes well to his attempts to charm her inexplicably. (laughs) And... um, (laughs) And they also introduced Julie Powers early on, uh, as she was introduced in the comics, I believe, where she's like, it's her house party. Mm-hmm. And um, she's the one who knows everybody and tries to keep Scott away. So, a quick little cameo from Aubrey Plaza there. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, once he finds out that Ramona Flowers is a delivery girl for Amazon. He- for Netflix. Oh, sorry, sorry. For Netflix. Uh, this time, it's Netflix. He goes to Netflix and tries to order a DVD to, you know, hopefully make her deliver something to him, which, of course, that works. She's the only delivery girl in Canada now. Yeah. And <laughs> which is always a silly premise. From yeah, the yeah. But, but, yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those things. Um, and so, lo and behold, she shows up. She uh, realizes, oh, you're, you're the person I'm delivering to is that weirdo that I met at the party. And um, he asks her on a date. She inexplicably says yes, have a little heart-to-heart out in the swings in the park, get snowy, and then they go back to her apartment. They take off their clothes a little bit because they're wet. They get into bed and kiss a little. They do not sleep together. Mm-hmm. And that's their date. Yeah, that's that, that that's their date. It's a very, and then it's a, later it's a on, very, very calm, just talking and then hanging out a bit date. Only first right, base, really, right. and that's it. Yeah, basically. And then the next day, Scott invites uh, Ramona out to another gig of it with, that his band's playing. That Knives, his 17-year-old high school fake girlfriend, is going to attend. So mm-hmm. they end up at the at the gig. Uh, Scott does not know how to handle the fact that Knives and Ramona are in the same room together. And they screw right past that because he runs away in one scene. And before it gets resolved, Matthew shows up, mm-hmm. um, you know, crashes through the wall. And uh, unlike in the movie versus the world, he defeats him in one punch. Yep. He's dead. And uh, yeah. So the conclusion of the very first episode, if you are already a fan of the comic or movie, is the only difference you've seen so far is that Gideon and Matthew show up faster. That's yeah. It. It's otherwise beat for beat exactly the same. And then you go, oh, huge twist. Scott's dead. And the next episode is completely new material where they're just dealing with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The second episode, it just becomes um, – I, I don't really want to go into like a beat-by-beat synopsis of the second episode. But uh, what ends up occurring from there is like now there's the fact that Scott is gone. 
the league is now in in like disarray because like wait a minute we defeated the new the this new was boyfriend a stupid idea to begin with yeah they <laughs> they make very clear to everyone watching like wait a minute the entire concept of the league of evil exes is stupid what do we do and so far they have yet to resolve this and i'm very scared that they're not going to be able to because what how do you the so, entire concept of evil exes originally is like mundane hyperbole taken seriously as a gag like that's the whole reason why this concept exists it's like you know it's fun to turn the concept of your evil ex into something that is so organized and horrible that they combine with your other exes mm-hmm. you know it's it's a selfish funny fantasy you know mm-hmm. but then you make that real and then actually try to flesh it out it doesn't work mm-hmm Sorry, I interrupted you. What were you going to say? No, I, I think all's well. Basically, we we can just wrap it up by saying there's a funeral. Envy shows up really early. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, she shows up super early. And uh, honestly, the choice of song she sang did make me laugh. <laughs> I, I got got by that. That was yeah, yeah. Good. It's pretty funny. So Envy shows up, and everyone's minds start changing super fast. Like like Knives forgets about Scott super fast because she's into Envy. Uh, yes. And what happens is, Matthew well, to be pretend- honest, that is something that kind of happened in the books too. Like Knives continuously got infatuated with new things. Right. Uh, which is how I- she kind of grew away from Scott. Right. So I think, so they're doing that, that beat here too then. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the other beat that they're doing is that, okay, so Ramona is sort of like dealing with her feelings with, she just met this guy. But now she's like feeling they're really about playing it. that she was charmed by Scott more so than any other adaptation I've seen. Yes. Um, which honestly is a change for the better because they have historically had so little chemistry as a couple. To yes. Me. They they um, very specifically talk about when they first kiss, they're like, oh, there's sparks. Yeah. Like they literal, actually wanted to mention something. Yeah. Literal <laughs> sparks. And then they go, okay. <laughs> and the thing is, most of the episode, though, ends up being talking about this league of villains or this league of x x which is a bizarre turn for me i hate how much time they're spending on it oh okay so far i'm just worried about how much time they're spending on it i want them to make this land well so one thing i sort of appreciate about it is that if you look at just the x's as concepts right you can see them being kind of interesting characters if allowed to be and i feel like this is their entryway into doing that they're going Mm -hmm. like okay so we're going to lampshade the fact that this league is stupid and the fact that it ended up being real at the end of the comics is something we have to contend with as a story point so we're going to talk about it and they literally have everyone go in a room and then go this is stupid why are we doing this And, you know, I think they're trying to imply that it's entirely because, like, they're so caught up in their kind of incel male fantasy that they don't have room to discuss logic. And it ends up being like a power struggle. And bizarrely, Matthew Patel vies for the throne with Gideon and he wins and Gideon loses his empire to Matthew Patel. And yeah, that which is a very odd, but I mean, admittedly interesting turn. So, yes. like, okay, I can say right now, if the question is, would you stay tuned? Of course, I'm going to see what the hell happens to the end of this, because as an old fan, I feel obligated to watch and see, and they're already changing so much. Of course, I want to know what happens next. Yes, and it's massively different. And I guess the episode just ends with... Uh, Ramona, I think I like, okay, so there's certain things I don't like about the pacings, but there's certain things I do. 
I think one thing about the pace, like I think the overall pacing is good. I think Scott Pilgrim takes off has a problem with moment to moment pacing though, which is sometimes it'll cut away to like a little establishing shot or like a little moment in time. And it'll hold on it as if you do it for like a live action movie. Right. And the problem with that is in animation, when you do that, there's a lot of still frozen frames that makes Mm -hmm. it seem like all the action has stopped. So what happens is then you cut from kind of still frames to another another scene starting. So you kind of feel like all the momentum is removed in the editing whenever they do that. So that's a problem. But when I see them doing it well, it works really well. Like at the end of this episode where Ramona starts thinking about their date in her apartment and she goes, each of these moments were mundane, but nice. You know, like she's thinking about they were just outside the swings. Mm-hmm. She remembers when she gave him the tea because she's making tea. She remembers like going to bed and Scott was in the in bed with her. And that's when she realizes when she goes to bed because she goes into her subspace dream that Scott is still alive somehow. And that is how the episode ends. So we now have the actual premise of the show, which is right. Ramona needs to figure out where Scott is. Which and, is way, yeah, which I very much like. Um, yes, as it's a way more interesting time. premise. And uh, it makes the title make sense. Scott Pilgrim did take off. He's somewhere else. It would yes. need to find him. <laughs> well, yeah, like, and also it could be interpreted as takes off as in like takes a vacation from yes. being the main character. Yeah, so now Ramona um, is the main character, which is kind of neat. Because uh, honestly, yeah, for the love of God, give her character because she <laughs> never really had much of one. And to be honest, it's kind of hard to follow a main character who is as much of an idiot as Scott is. Uh, it's kind of frustrating. <laughs> yeah, like, okay, I think something that was interesting about Scott Pilgrim as a whole is that since the character himself is presented for the most part as a genial happy-go-lucky guy who has real moments of heroism, you know, here and there, but also has really, really awful traits about him that are not as explicitly outlined for everyone. But then I would even say the moments of heroism are more about, like, fulfilling a male fantasy version of heroism than, like, true heroism. You know what I mean? It's like him beating a bunch of dudes to save the girl. You know, it's like... Okay, yeah, like, there, are the, there are those moments, but then they're, they're like, okay, one moment that I can point out that's actually inside this show mm-hmm. is uh, when um, Stephen Stills is freaking out about, like, you know, right. having right. stage fright, and Scott just calms him down and says, let's get out there and do it. Like, We won't know we suck until we try. So. Exactly. Like, that's yeah. a cool guy line. That's a legit yeah, yeah. cool guy line. Yeah, yeah, And, yeah. like, there are times when Scott gets to be a legit cool guy. Yes. But, but there's you also need to contend with all the bullshit that, you know, he does to people. And I don't think everyone bothers to try engaging with that section of it. And yes. so there's a lot of annoying fans of Scott Pilgrim as a result. <laughs> I think there is in a lot in fandoms like this. There's a lot of people who take everything at direct face value and just assume all of it's good. You know what I mean? And I think that's sort of been the problem and why I think there's been a weird it's not weird. It's actually expected. But there's a backlash against this show that's massive, which has been uh, it's been very divisive. There's people like me. Um, spoilers. I really like this show and I like it because this show is designed for the person who is familiar with Scott Pilgrim, but doesn't like it. It's like actually trying to go back and redo it. 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and I, I'm hoping that by the end of it, it will feel like the creator and those involved took a look at the original story and said, like, how have we evolved as people? And what do we want to say with this series now? I think they're already doing that by directly ad- addressing why the League of Exes is stupid. And the League that the, the I people- hope so. <laughs> The exes themselves are already looking at each other and being like, what are we doing here? You know, like they're kind of like, and, and I think part of it also is that actually even the first episode, a lot of it isn't that appreciable to someone who is completely unfamiliar to Scott Pilgrim. I think you actually have to be somewhat familiar with Scott Pilgrim to get a lot of the beats that are going, they're just rushing through in the first episode. It kind of reminds oh, yeah. me. This feels like a Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I was literally about to say, it's Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Where yeah, the first like you adapted is, it too know, many times. We know, we know what it is. It just, we're just rushing through it. There's a thing, blah, blah, blah. And then we're just, we're just going through it. And that's exactly what the first episode feels like. And I think that's the first tell, yeah. which is that this show is for lapsed Scott Pilgrim fans. And it, you need to actually be kind of aware of what Scott Pilgrim is as its whole story in order to appreciate it. And I think it's very odd when I see criticism of the show where it's like, I kind of like the show, but it really should have been its own different IP. And I'm like, that's super wrong. This literally could not exist unless Scott Pilgrim existed the way it did. Like this is, this is, this show is a literal response to Scott Pilgrim as it exists as a, as in media, like it's directly trying to go through what people have been talking about it and talking about it in the meta narrative of the show. Like, honestly, the fact that Brian Lee O'Malley himself is involved kind of gives and me... And Edgar Wright. So, they're the two of the bigger creators for it are both involved. Yeah, like, and, and Brian himself being involved, like, after this much time has passed and after he's become this old, like, it, it gives me... <laughs> it, it gives me hope just because it's like, he can't be this old and still want to say those things. Even when I was... The same way, you know? Do you remember when we were at the panel for Scott Pilgrim vs. the World at Comic-Con? Like, we watched it in in person, and Riley O'Malley was on stage. And uh, I remember they had a Q&A, and one of the fans asked him, where do you get your ideas from? And I remember him being kind of like... Uh, like, I think, I think I remembered him being like, almost like annoyed and being like, I don't know. I guess it's just badass. I mean, I guess I'm just badass or something like that. Right. And I already got the sense from him that he was already kind of sick of his own ideas in Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> he just couldn't say it out loud on stage. You know what I mean? Well, uh, sure. Yeah. I, I, I could, I could see that. So I think this is a, if he's involved in the show, this is a great way to do it. And I guess I should just admit out here. Uh, I actually ended up watching the whole series in one sitting. Uh, okay, I and, and, and I okay, <laughs> then now that makes me wish that I had also because I would much rather be able to just discuss this in full now. But um, but then th- that's not the point of this podcast. Yes. So keeping it to the confines of this podcast, two episodes in, let's say for how about we create a few different versions of this for the various like places people might be. If you've never seen Scott Pilgrim before, don't watch this show first. I don't think you should. No, I don't think it's possible. I I, I think it would actually be uh, a I'm assuming that whatever cool things it ends up doing only are really cool because you know what came before. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, let, let's call that now. If you've never seen Scott Pilgrim, go back and at least watch like the movie first. Um 
I think the movie would probably be a good way to do it quickly. I think you would get more out of it if you watch or if you read the the graphic novels. Yeah, the graphic that- novels are in many like available forms now, a nice, nice looking color and everything. It, and and they're it'll very look quick like read. this show actually, pretty much. And so, it's very quick to read too, so it's not like it'll take you a while. Uh, they're not right, right, particularly right. long or anything, so it gives you a good idea of what to expect. I think. But however, if you are a fan of Scott Pilgrim from before, yeah, just watch the show, man. Yeah, I would especially say watch it, but watch it with an open mind if your like of Scott Pilgrim is very like, I like it and I don't like when things are changed about it because everything is changed in a way that I personally think is much better. It starts doing like really meta things with the narrative in a way that's not like contrived meta, but like because of the way the plot works, it's going to get a little bit meta with it. Okay. Um, a little winky at the audience about why they're doing things certain ways. And it very much does the thing that I always wanted, which is the exes become characters and Good. Ramona, especially being the main character gets to become a fully fleshed person. And it, it makes sense why she does the thing she does. Whereas well, before, I'm, yeah, I'm so glad about that because that feels like the great make good that Brian Lee O'Malley can do for her as a character. Yeah. Cause like, cause I think in the comics, she came off that way in the movie. It came off even worse in the movie. She comes off as just a cold asshole. She was very, yeah. Her performance was very flat in the movie. Yeah. She just comes across as I don't care about anything. And okay, and, and to be honest with you, in episode one, if you if we had confined it to episode one of this show so far, mm-hmm. I would be getting the exact same energy from that. Like yes, it was which, just that episode it was just that performance again in that episode. But then episode two, like you actually start seeing some differences in how they depict Ramona. Yes. And um I am I want to see more differences. Bring on the differences. Yeah, and and there reaches a point where they start sort of explicitly exploring why characters do act the way they do. I think the only character that remains like a full joke uh, is young Neil, but that's about so it. far the way they've deployed young Neil has been good to me. I, I like his <laughs> scene so far in the first two episodes. Also, it's funny that you mentioned uh, Nintendo music because they do have one section where they do use Nintendo music. Okay. Okay. So maybe they, <laughs> they, they fought for that, but, but like um, in the previous thing, like I, I did noticed how in the first episode, young Neil is playing what isn't quite like a game gear, but yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> isn't, you know, you know, they couldn't actually put an actual depicted whatever. So I was just curious about how much trouble they went to, to depict actual stuff. But yeah. I having seen the whole thing, yeah, like okay, I'll I'll ask you this then. Is Lisa Miller in this in this cartoon? Lisa Miller? I don't know. I don't know what Lisa Miller is actually. Okay. That's either very good acting or um or or something good then. I actually have no idea what you mean by Lisa Miller. Okay. If you really have no idea, then they removed her entirely. She's a volume four character. Okay. I'm just I'm just doing like a really quick look and I don't see this at all. So yeah. So I okay. don't think I don't think that. All right, happened. then uh, then that means that they have completely veered away from every thread from the original thing. <laughs> yeah, they it is massively veered away uh, to. Uh, well, now I'm excited. I yeah, want to yeah. know more about like where else it goes now. It's a. It's basically like I wanted to redo Scott Pilgrim, but I don't want to erase Scott Pilgrim. I want to acknowledge that it exists, but I want to handle it in a more mature way. How do I do that without erasing the original? This is their answer. They do it this way. Okay. Uh, with with that premise and like setup, uh, that, that sounds great to me. 
I'm, I'm but it keeps this. all of the weird zaniness of the original too. Like there's weird, like you saw in the second episode, they have weird fights where they all have weird ghost powers and can shoot Hadoukens and summon swords and shit. So <laughs> yeah, like I don't know, like when that when that stuff starts happening, like I really feel ambivalent these days. Yeah, to it's me, like I go, I I I have far grown to enjoy media where when it like okay, so here's the thing, Scott Pilgrim is essentially a shonen anime, right? Or a shonen manga. In this, it's it's about a kid who is growing up and he needs to defeat a certain amount of enemies in order to gain a thing he needs, right? That's a Goku. That's a, a Luffy. Well, the fact that this is so centered around like a romantic goal makes me doubt that it's pure shonen, but continue. But but it's set up that way. Like there's fights. Like sure, sure, sure. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a fight-based model, yes. Yes. So the problem is that let's look at My Hero Academia with Deku, which is not a great anime to me either. Uh, but at least it follows the formula in a way that makes sense. Deku has a goal. Deku, in order to reach the goal, needs to train really hard. And each of the fights he is involved in has a thematic purpose behind it, right? So when he's fighting, um, I, f- I forget his name, the, the half hot, half cold kid in, in My Hero Academia. When he's fighting him in, in the summer games, or whatever the fuck that thing is. The summer games. <laughs> whatever that shit's called. Uh, you know, the school what, contest thing. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. The Triwizard Tournament that they're having. Yeah, the, the, uh, <laughs> the tune-in um, exam. Yeah, he <laughs> exactly. He, he's not just fighting him. It's a clash of ideals, right? Deku is saying, you are hiding a piece of yourself. Embrace it and use it. And the other guy is saying, that piece of myself is based on trauma with my father. I don't want to use it. And then Deku is saying... It can be more than that, blah, blah, blah. That's what their fight's about, right? Right. So there, there's a meaning to it. And the other thing, let's, uh, what's the fucking edgelord guy who is like, he's got swords. Um, from which show? From My Hero Academia. He's like the, he's like the hero slayer. Um, oh, he's got, um, oh gosh, I forgot. It's been a long time yeah, since yeah, yeah. he showed up. My hero. The guy Ag- looks like a Ninja Turtle. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Edge, edge Lord guy. I, I'm sure that'll show it up. Stain. His name is Stain. Right. Oh yeah. Stain. <laughs> yeah. So when Deku fights Stain, it's basically, they have two different ideals. Stain says heroes aren't really heroes. They're hypocrites. They're just another gang. Right. And they're just a gang that wants to control all the other gangs. And Deku is saying, no, I will be different. I will become a true idealistic hero like All Might was. You know, that's what he's saying. So that's yeah. what their clashes. So there's a point to them. Here's a problem. And also there's at that point, generally good technical storytelling around the fights because they also explain how the fights work. Stain has these powers. Deku has these powers. Ingenium has these powers. They all intermingle in this way to create an interesting technical fight. Meanwhile, Scott Pilgrim does none of that. That's what I'm about to say. Like, yeah. so My Hero Academia has interesting technical storytelling and interesting emotional storytelling with their fights. A Scott Pilgrim, as it's in, a, in its original form, had none of that. Yeah, it just had true. it just had fights for no reason with no emotional stakes behind them. They, they just had to happen, which is yeah, why they're it just felt cool so gags. Flat. They're always just cool gags. Yes, but what happens with this show is that it slowly realizes, okay, so fights are fun eye candy. But the show is mostly mostly about the emotional narrative and why characters do the things they do and why they feel the things they feel. Even the villains, even the exes, we're going to dive deep into why they feel the way they do and why Ramona made them feel this way, or rather, why they responded to Ramona in that way. Because Ramona didn't make him feel that way. 
but something about their own lives made them react to her that way. And I found that fascinating because I think it makes it so that they're not just evil pieces of shit that want to like control her. Cause I think the nice part of the League of Exes, like, I don't think you like that part, right? Where the League of Exes is real. Like, I think you think that's Well, okay. That's my initial reaction to them doing this. But since you watched the rest of it and the way it played out seems to have, like, it turns out that they did the one good thing with that, that I was scared they wouldn't do. Yeah, because I think what they're attempting to do is, one, show that it was a stupid idea to begin with. And two, compartmentalizing it in a way where... These are a bunch of idiots who went along with Gideon's plan. And Gideon is the true, like, I could not get over this the way I couldn't get over it. I'm going to create this stupid, meticulous organization. Right, right. Like, I I went into this show thinking that the creators didn't agree with me. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that that's why I was reticent to accept what they were doing with this league. But it seems like they spun it in a way that makes it work. So, I'm very glad to hear that. And I am now excited to watch the rest of the show. Yeah, that's the way I uh, interpret it. And yeah, and I, and I like the way they just take the characters, you know, and, and I, I just feel like it's definitely more mature. Like a lot of the childish elements are still in there. Like there's still like stupid fight scenes where p- there's versus screens that show up with an announcer, which is like so corny and like. <laughs> and again, for me, it's like that's a point of like, not only is it corny, it's also not right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's, not it's even, incorrect. <laughs> that's, that's truly not even truly accurate. Um, and there's still lots of like corny moments like that here and there, which I think is stuff that may keep a lot of the original fans who like that stuff in there. I mean, you know. Oh, yeah. Like at its core to me, like this show is still more aesthetics and vibe than anything. But but the thing I appreciated is that it seems to have made a sincere effort to move beyond that. And it's from a perspective of, I think, creators who like these characters and feel like they did them dirty before and now want to do them better, like do them in and a that's, way that's... That's exactly the attitude I was hoping that this would have. And I'm glad to be hearing that's what what you found. So the unfortunate part is a lot of fans don't like that. <laughs> uh, <Well> good. <laughs> in like, that case, good. A lot of fans just wanted a straight adaptation, which, you know. Okay. You know what? I am willing to accept or understand the want for that version to exist because to me, the movie was a very imperfect adaptation. Yes, and, but- and the cartoon was what I always wanted from the beginning. Yes. Like, like in that time, if you had told me Edgar Wright is in charge of an animated Scott Pilgrim. Right. You know, and that was his first project and crack at it. I would have been over the moon. That I mean, would I have been the perfect version f- to me. I feel like we both said a similar thing when he announced the project. We were like, why wouldn't he just make an animated project? Because like, you know, Quentin Tarantino did animated segments for Kill Bill. Why can't he do an animated movie for Scott Pilgrim if he wants to do it? Why does it have to be live action? You know, and a lot of the things that are already kind of like corny in the comics ends up even cringier in like the thing. One of the things that I always found super cringy that luckily like they like a lot of this cringier stuff, they seem to have veered away from like one of the worst ones is when uh, uh, knives is in the record store and she goes, love at love comes out of her mouth literally. Yes. And in the movie version, they literally play that out with Ellen Wong. She literally going love and it literally comes out and I go, Ooh, 
<laughs> well, okay. Yeah. Ellen Wong in general, though, she is not well suited to acting like a cartoon character. No, which no. is why I really dislike how that's all they made her do. Not like more so in the show than even in the movie. Like in the show, she's always doing the overreactive like, expressions. Her eyes are always looking different. And she's always like trembling and, and shaking and it's too much. And Ellen Wong does not fit for this. Speaking of uh, the performances, I think that's one of my criticisms. One of the, my other criticisms of the show, because one of them is pacing. But I think the other criticism I would have of the show is it's very clear. They all recorded their lines at very different times and then kind of just put them all together. Uh, yeah. Like, like I, I like to always say good acting is reacting no one's reacting to each other. Uh, it's a lot of scenes seem like people are just saying lines out of context and yeah. uh, not really reacting. And if you have like a really good voice director in the room with you, like like an Andrea Romano or someone, you can make that work. A lot of Batman the Animated Series was not shot with all the actors in the room together, but they were voice directed to know that, hey, this is kind of how they say to you what the line is and this is how they'll react to you. So, Although it is worth noting that B-Test in particular was one show where she tried harder than usual to yes. get as many people into the booth as possible. That's true. But but you could still see the effects of her work working when you get to like Justice League and stuff like that. Like it's yes, still yes. like, yeah, I'm just saying that like, that's a bit misrepresentative of the whole point of Andrea Romano's usual MO. Like right, all, right, she right. always wanted to have as many people in the booth as possible. However, she was good enough to fake it when she couldn't. Because you knew that because she knew that made her job easier. Exactly. Otherwise, then she would need to fill in for them. Uh, yeah, she knew how to... important it was. Yes, yes. Uh, but in Scott Pilgrim takes off, it's really clear no one is talking to each other. Yeah. It, it sort of works whenever they're reacting to or acting with Ramona. Uh, I forget her actor's name. Wow. Mary Elizabeth just, Winstead? Yeah, yeah, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Just because her character is supposed to play kind of aloof to begin with. So, so her having disconnected reactions to people sometimes you know Brie works. Larson sung her own song no she had a different uh okay because it singer, doesn't yeah. sound like her yeah yeah they they hired a different singer to to play her but um, okay, okay I mean hey, for what, what it's worth like the songs I've heard so far like I've dug them all like like yeah like I like the songs that sex bob on plays yes I I actually uh it's com- it's like otherworldly right like their voices are overdriven like that couldn't exist in real life but uh I I do like the way they're depicted uh and you kind of like yeah Sex bomb was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and then the, that's yeah. when Scott actually looks his coolest, and that's like the times when you should l- try to make him look his coolest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it, like his element when he he's actually doing well. But yeah, that's that Scott Pilgrim takes off. I really liked it. It's actually, I think, one of my favorite animated shows on Netflix right now. Uh, wow, that's high praise. Yeah, I I, I put From it from Marvin. There. It's high praise, guys. <laughs> I put it up there with uh, Voltron. Uh, I, the Netflix version of Ultron. But you just I- want to make everyone mad, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but hot takes from Netflix. This guy. Ultron's amazing. You guys are shitheads. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I, to be honest, I, for my part, I have not seen all of it. Yeah. I think I stopped. Wait, it was, it was you saw another season one. Yeah. No, I no, I've seen at least two seasons of it. Oh, you um, have? Okay. It was either okay. at the okay. uh, the beginning of season three or season four where I dropped off. But where was it? Season It got up to five? How many? It got to like seven seasons. Holy shit. There was Ugh. a lot. Yeah. I remember thinking like, oh, wow, I really want to finish this series. Let's keep going. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> 
because they quietly just kept making them. I, it almost felt like they kept making them and wasn't telling Netflix. And they were just like, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, well, we just have more episodes for you if you want. And then, I mean, like, I mean, how like, gay are they? <laughs> So that, part, so that ending didn't, that part of the ending wasn't very good. Uh, but the overall storytelling for Voltron ended up really good, in my opinion. That's, that's how I feel about Voltron and also Scott Pilgrim Takes Off. I, I really like that uh, they get to, like, essentially fix it, everything. That Well, yeah, the fact that it ended up being so good to you as someone who is so critical of Scott Pilgrim and its themes and for all the reasons that I have become kind of you know, disenchanted with the franchise myself over time, I am now very excited to see like, oh man, how did they fix it? Yeah. To me, I think the biggest thing is that they go, yes, they did not treat people very well. And like, like the characters don't treat other people very well in the show. We're not going to excuse that, but we are going to explain why maybe and how we can move past it. And I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> well, yeah, like, good. It, like actual addressing and acknowledging across the board of how crummy everyone's being. Yeah, because that's that's when you get away from Scott Pilgrim versus the world. It's like you finish a movie and you're like, everyone here is shitheads. I don't like <laughs> Kinda, anyone. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> that is the feeling you get, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. This is like Michael Sarah, especially like. Like, just because uh, Mary Elizabeth Winsett's performance is just so cold, there's nothing to latch onto in terms of, like, maybe she's, uh, you know... Well, granted, it's not just a performance. They didn't give, like, the character herself... She has no lines. She's yeah, very... There's not much do. to work with for anyone who tries to be Ramona in its original form, which is why I'm so excited to see this version, which sounds like they actually gave her shit to do. Yeah, and then Michael Sarah's original performance was very much kind of like a... Like, oh, I get to do the thing, huh? Don't I? Oh, why don't I? You know, and it's like, eh. And like, the way the original comic ended, the way I hated the way the original comic ended, which was like, oh, Scott, the only reason why you're so shitty to everyone is because you need to love yourself. And I'm like, no, <laughs> you don't get to excuse the way you treat people just because you're not loving of yourself. That's not an excuse. <laughs> Like that can be part of an overall understanding of why you are the way you are, but that doesn't excuse your actions. So I don't remember, like, <laughs> uh, to be honest, at this point, I don't remember how far the comic went to quote unquote excuse his actions. Yeah, I guess they don't really like excuse it, but they even like, like everything works out after he has that realization in turn, but it's not like he doesn't go on a huge tour of like, you know, sorry, I wronged you. Right. For instance. But 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 the, but the way they try to resolve it is by literally splitting him into Nega Scott and then being able to destroy Nega Scott, which is implied to be like, oh, if you just destroy this bad part of yourself, everything's fine. It's like, no, that's not how that works. And that's an extremely simplistic view of right and wrong and probably gave a lot of people the wrong idea because they were taking this story emotionally to heart. And it's not a very mature way of viewing how to deal with your emotions and with relationships. Which, you know, I, I don't think anyone actually took that away from the books, but... I kind of wish that I had reread the books prior to this discussion, just because I wish I I could speak more... And, and, and this is only based on what about, I remember. I think, yeah, I think exactly, because, like, <laughs> like, I don't remember if how you remember is exactly how it went, but I have nothing to counter with, so... Yeah, and I, I think the only reason why I maybe remember it so specifically is because I really did not like that 
as an ending <laughs> when I was younger. So yeah, I don't know. Especially since it's supposed to be like well, a relationship, it, right? Because if I remember right, like there's a point where he learns the power of like not self-love, but just love and pulls the sword out of his head. Sword yes, out of that was the first sword. The second sword is self-love. Okay, the, so it, it's been so long since I, I yeah. saw the. Six, so he thinks the the, he thinks love alone will get, make everything better, but then the twist is supposed to be that self love is what's going to make things better. And in a way, from a strictly therapist point of view, sort of yes, but you also need to acknowledge what your actions have done. Like Scott's ultimate final weapon is a sort of self. Maybe it's not self love, but it's like self acceptance or something like that. It needs to be something, it's, it's something like that, I think, in the, um, both the comic and the movie, I think. Yeah, I don't remember. But, yeah, but that's, that's just, that's just what I think about the thing. And this is, this is an excellent show, you know? <laughs> well, okay, so stay tuned then. Oh, it was the would. power of self-respect. That was the final sword. So. Oh, Eh, self-respect is a little different in the movie, from self-love, though. In the, in, the sh- in the comic, it was the power of understanding, uh, so... Neither is self-love, though. I know, but it's 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 sort of about like understanding or self or self accepting himself. It's very like him centered. It's like I have I, I act this way it, yeah. because I have these problems. If I just do that, then uh, everything's fixed. It's like no, 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 no. It's not just that. It's about the way we treat each other. <laughs> but yeah, that's that was just my take on it. Well, good that you liked the show. I thought about it. I feel awkward right now because I want to, because I feel like I should have watched the show, but that runs counter to the premise of this podcast. So, well, I also thought it would be an interesting premise if like we're discussing it from two different points of view, like you have not seen the whole thing, but I have. So like, it is interesting that you thought you didn't like the way it was going because well yeah like cool that's the that's the thing it's like whenever we do things because we think it's gonna be interesting we are always stepping outside the bounds of the premise <laughs> of this show of this, of this podcast listen we can know. do whatever we can do whatever we want all right I'm starting to wonder about, about what, we, what we title this thing <laughs> we've only done like four of these and we've had to do like special things to each one it's fine it's fine we can do whatever we want it's fine we don't have to be uh, super strict. It's okay. <laughs> go watch the show. It's apparently it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It's, I like it. I like it a lot. You can also go to fugitiveframes.com, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you want to check out everything else that we do, go to fugitiveframes.com. Also, if you want to check out our newbie Star Trek podcast where we discuss episodes of currently the next generation one by one each and every week, you can check us out there too. Uh, we are joined by two other podcast hosts there. Yeah, it's usually also... Uh, a guy named Ricardo and a girl named Sarah here. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But but yeah, that's what we do. And uh, we'll see you next time, I guess, right? Yeah. Stay tuned to Would You Stay Tuned? <laughs> so S-T-W-Y-S-T. Yeah. Stwist. Stwist. Stwist, everybody. Stay stay twisted. I... I'm fighting with my mind right now to either encourage or discourage this. Is this something I want or is this something that I don't want? This could be our Seacrest out.
All right, everybody. Stay twisted. Stay twisted, my dudes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, Put your twist up for the Rizzler. <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck I said. Goodbye, Bye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.